The best way to predict your future is to create it. Abraham Lincoln. And what better way to create our own life than to have our very own built-in compass? For returning guests, welcome back. And for those who are new here, I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator with a passion for learning, understanding difficult concepts, and breaking them down so we can all use and apply the most current research to improve our productivity and results in our schools, our sports, and workplace environments. Today on episode 216, we'll be speaking with Dan Wolf, an assistant principal from Pasco County, Florida, on his new book, Becoming the Change. It's coming out before Memorial Day weekend. Dan reached out to me via Twitter, and he let me know he was about to release a new book that was inspired by a blog he started on social emotional learning called Our Moral Compass that led him to start Become the Change podcast, where Dan focuses on the five areas of social and emotional learning that we've been focused on with this podcast. I'm always looking for unique ways to share these important SEL skills, and I love what Dan's created with his book that compares SEL skills to a moral compass that can be used to keep us on track with our life. Before the title of the book changed, it was going to be called Our Moral Compass and evolved to Become the Change. What caught my attention with Dan before I even read his book was the original title. I wondered how he was going to use the SEL competencies to help us navigate through difficult times in our life. We all need a moral compass, and without this, we can veer off track very quickly. Do you have your own built-in compass that keeps you on track? I look forward to speaking with Dan, learning how he's using the analogy of a moral compass to help his students learn, navigate their way through the complexities of life by understanding and applying SEL in our schools today. Let's meet Dan Wolf. Welcome, Dan Wolf. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and sharing your new book, Becoming the Change. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, Dan, what caught my attention with what you've created is not just the fact that I can see you've been immersed in teaching SEL for many years. It's very comprehensive what you've created. And it's clear from your blog and your podcast. And I know this is a lot of work on top of being an assistant principal and everything that goes along with a full-time position. So when I first saw your compass analogy with the SEL competencies that we've been covering on this podcast, um, and we added the a six one mindset to ours, but you've really thoroughly covered the five SEL competencies and uh, it just really rang true to me. Can you just share, before I kind of share how it hit home for me, how did you come up with this idea of the moral compass connected to these important SEL skills? Okay. All right. Well, it started, I've always been a fan of the saying, not all who wander are lost. And a lot of that is many times associated with the compass. And uh, one of the things um, is I have, uh, it's my 25th year in education and most of my career has been spent in Title I schools. 
And it's been uh, probably the most rewarding experience, uh, no matter what school I've been at and, and the schools I've been able to serve. And um, one of the things that I try to do is help guide our students to um, not only um, uh, serve them, but also just know that they have someone in their corner uh, that loves and cares about them. And they can be that change they wish to see in the world, no matter what their circumstances are. Um, within our district, uh, we, have, uh, we have a goal of com uh, creating compassionate schools across the board K-12. Um, this has been for the at least the last five, seven years. And uh, my the elementary school I was at, we were part of, uh, we were one of the first schools to be uh, a trauma-informed uh, trauma school. Um, and that's just to kind of really know about the, the background of your families, the, the you know, what the, the struggles that they go through. So you could really empathize with them, support them, you know, because you're also bringing in the academic side of things. Um, and with that, we also, as a district, started gearing towards uh, social emotional learning and wanting to, to really bring that home. And I was a part of a um, district committee, K-12, to help write the standards for social emotional learning, which um, really opened a lot of doorways and pathways to me. And I just happened to be sitting there as we were making all these connections and things. And and um, I just kept going back to, you know, they kept talking about guidance and things. And I, I kept saying to myself, it's like a compass because, um, you know, I was, um, even though I only lasted one year, I was in Cub Scouts and things like that. So we had different things within that. But I do remember that and learning how to use a compass. And uh, one of the things that um, I'm also a big believer in uh, or I love a big fan of quotes and one of the quotes that I had happened to come across when I was uh, um, in sitting in one of my meetings was that um, it was by uh, Michelle Obama that, and she said, I've learned that as long as I hold fast to my beliefs and values and follow my own moral compass, then the only expectations I need to live up to are my own. And that just hit such a, uh, a chord with me. And I said, well, that's what that compass is. I said, that's what SCL is. At the center, you have self-awareness. And then you have those four cardinal directions, that self-management, that social awareness, the relationship skills and responsible decision-making. They're all interconnected. Um, they all rely on one another. One can't be without the other. Though some might be stronger depending on certain situations, you, you, you always default back to them. And that's, that's what your guide is. That is your moral compass. So that's how it all kind of uh, came to uh, fruition uh, for me. Um, it was about the time in December of 2019 that I actually started writing a blog called Our Moral Compass. And I even made it into a podcast just based on taking famous quotes and tying them into um, moral compass and the five areas of social emotional learning. Um, that's now since become now becoming the change because with um, with the book and then also the blog is now called that. So, but that's that that's been the journey with this thus far. Oh, I loved it when I saw it because we've all been lost before in our lives. Not not just our students, but think about the times when we've been lost with you know what direction am I supposed to take. 
And, and first of all, it just reminded me like of a few different things. The, the moral compass, when I first moved to the U.S. and I was navigating my life, it would have been nice to have had, oh, here's a clear path of what you're supposed to do. But you've got to go from within and see what is your moral compass. And, and it, like when I first saw it, I thought, well, it would have been nice to have had a guidance, like a clear path, not just me guessing at what my moral compass was, just to, to clearly know it and see it like you've illustrated with the with the image of the SEL competencies that we all know so well now. And it just made me think about this leadership activity I did uh, back in the day. And, and, and it was still at a time when I was trying to figure out life and they dropped us off in the middle of this woods with a compass. And there were five of us and we had to navigate uh, from where we were to our campsite and we had to get there by dark. And we had to do it in consensus. So we couldn't go off track. We had to all be in agreement of what we're going to do. And we we're carrying like a cooler that was awkward and a tent that, <laughs> you know, it was just all weird. And we right. had to navigate. And as I thought about what you've created, I thought, wow, we all got to know ourselves really well with self-awareness. We had to manage our emotions as it was hot at certain points of the day. And we all wanted to get to where we were going but we had to do it together. So there was the relationship skills, like all the competencies came in. So I just thought what you've done here is, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's it's catchy. And I think that it's really gonna help a lot of students and teachers who might think, oh, how could I use this compass to help me with, with, with my life and the direction of where I'm going? So I, I love it. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, that's, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you made those connections with it because that, that's what my hope is, and that it means something to each person that uh, has the opportunity to read it. Definitely. So, like uh, the example that I just shared of when we we're dropped in the woods and we had to move to our final destination. You know, when you get off track, you lose time. And I just, I have a really big thing about wasting time. I don't like wasting time. And it was really important that we navigate through life. And what I was saying before, it would have been nice to have not just had to sit and ponder, but to have a clear path. So what happens when we go off track and how can your compass keep people from wasting time in this thing called life? Well, uh, one of the things is that, you know, uh, I feel like with this compass, it can be uh, analogy, it can be used in any facet of life for work, home, uh, dealing with great success and dealing with great loss. Um, uh, what I'd like to do is share a personal example uh, of how, you know, I, I would have used it if I had had this back then when I was younger. Um, and I'll just uh, go, go a little bit back in time. Uh, on Monday, September 21st, 1992, I was 17 years old uh, and a senior in high school. Um, it was homecoming week. Um, and that morning, uh, my dad suffered a heart attack um, in our home. Um, it woke up my mom and me and um, uh, called the paramedics right away. They were able to stabilize him. Um, wasn't sure really what to do at that point. My my mama just said, I think you and your brother, and he was 10 at the time, you just need to go ahead and go to school. There's nothing you can do now. You'll see dad later. And so that's what I did. Um, and they had taken him uh, to the hospital and my mom obviously went with them. Um, and, uh, you know, what I, what I found out was that uh, unfortunately, while I was sitting in my third period AP English class, 
I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, uh, the principal came in and asked to see me and pulled me out of class, brought me down uh, to her office where my mom was and my neighbors. And she just said, um, you know, uh, dad didn't make it. Wow. And right there, everything just seemed to have stopped. Um, I, I felt like I was having kind of like a out of body experience. I don't know how to best, uh, you know, just describe it, but, um, but it just, it really kind of rocked my world, um, with, with everything within it. And just, I, and at that point is where I kind of felt like I lost my self-awareness, which would have been the center of that piece right there. And, and I didn't know it at the time, this is all in retrospect, but it, now it just seems so much clearer. And, um, with that, so because they didn't know what my purpose was, they didn't know who who I was going to become. I I didn't know what to do. Seventeen, I, I had no idea. I was thinking of colleges, things like that, but none of that seemed to matter right now. Nothing seemed to matter. Um, and what I was able to go ahead and do was um, the first thing that kind of helped recenter things again was uh, relationship skills. My friends, uh, they left things on my car. Uh, Dan, if you need anything, I'm here for you. Um, whatever you, you need. Uh, the person that I was going to go uh, to homecoming with, she was just my neighborhood friend that I grew up with. We were just going as friends or whatever. And she said to me, if you don't feel like going, that's, that's okay. And it's, it was her senior year too. So, you know, just knowing those kind of sacrifices, what, and they were there for me at the funeral, at the wake, all those things, every step of the way you know, before cell phones, everything else, they were just there. It was that presence. There wasn't texting any of the, so that really kind of brought me back for that part of it. Um, it made that connected to the social awareness piece. I, I recognized what was needed as far as, and it wasn't about me. Yes, I know at one point I had to take care of myself, but I, I needed, you know, I had my mom, she was now a widow. Um, my 10-year-old brother without a dad, I yeah, you know, granted, I was only 17, but I had more time with him than he did. And now he's got to go through the rest of elementary school, all these things. I need to be there for them. I need to be able to do what I can to keep the family together because that's what my dad would, would have wanted. Um, that then uh, uh, went right into that self-management piece and uh, responsible de decision-making, kind of like a two-in-one. I had to control my own emotions, be able to get myself in check and make those decisions to go ahead and put things forward and um, really decide what I wanted out of life. And um, what would my dad have wanted? You know, um, he wouldn't want me to just throw in the towel and say nothing matters. He'd want me to make something into myself and to be able to, to serve others, to be able to lead and inspire. And that's kind of like, that's like with my Twitter handle, to serve, lead and inspire. That's where it all came from before Twitter was even a thing. Those were my three words that I kind of lived by that I just wanted to go right then and there. And this all brought me back into that self-awareness piece. So it, even though that moral compass might've been shattered for that moment, it all was able to be brought back together. All it took was one. And it was because of my friends and, and family and things that helped bring it back. So that's, that's the example that I, and there's many others, but that's the one that kind of um, really made me into who I am today and what I strive to be. Wow. That's a, that's a good example of how you use the compass yourself. So then because 
you looked back, you definitely didn't know these things. Uh, and and yeah. I think back, you know, the five competencies, I didn't even know them. They they weren't even on Castle's website until not not too long ago. So, you know, just having that awareness now as to how you got through that, I can see how now you would want that for your students when they go through their trauma and their struggle. You're, you're right front and center saying, don't forget who you are, your self-awareness first. Don't lose Absolutely. yourself. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, the Jiminy Cricket version of letting your conscience be your guide, but let your moral compass be your guide. It's going to set you on the right path. So there is a lot behind everything that that you've talked about if, if when when people read your book they'll see how comprehensive it is it's it's deep within each of the five competencies and um, just to make sure that we stay on track as we move from where we are to where we're going when we go off track can you just share one of the competencies and explain how we could navigate back if we get off track just pick one of them and say you know i've lost myself here how are we going to get back on track with that okay um so i i would say um probably uh one of the competencies you know as far as getting you know off track could uh sometimes be the self-management one uh definitely there's times um that situations situations are always going to be the situation but the only thing we can do is control our reaction to it um and you know we can choose to lose our cool or we can choose to stay cool and i i think uh within that um you know being able to you know self-regulate what whatever technique whether it's through meditation whether it's through listening to podcasts, whatever it is that that might be able to help uh, refocus. Maybe it's even just recognizing what you're grateful for, your friends, your family, just being alive. Those kinds of things can snap you out of that where you might feel like you're going down that uh, that rabbit hole and getting into that that cycle of self-doubt and everything else like that. We're we're looking for that lent, that uh, helping hand or whatever, and really the helping hand is, is is really coming through from us ourselves. We can help ourselves out. We not that we don't need anybody, but if we can't rely on ourselves to pull ourselves out, you know that that's where it's first and foremost. So I, I would say probably the self management piece would be definitely one, for sure. That's a good one. And just just off the top of my head, I'm thinking to my kids that I try to apply these things to over the years. You know, we learn something, you know, and take them to the schools. But when we've got kids at home, I want my kids to benefit from these. So I remember my youngest was having some anxiety with um, classroom stuff like test taking and stuff like that. So I taught her star breathing. Have you ever heard of that? Where yes, I have. Yeah, through conscious discipline and every. I know that, that you know a lot of our schools use that as well. Kind of wish I had that back then when I, I was the same way with test taking. So I get it. Yeah. And so I taught her that to breathe in and out to just bring more oxygen to her brain during uh, test taking. And what's crazy, this is years ago. And then recently we had this situation where the girls were at this gymnastics competition and this celebrity was in the group, in the in the audience and all the girls lost their focus. 
And I was just like, I can't believe this. Now I'm going to have to go back and work with my girls on focus because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm watching like it, no one's going to get these things all the time. It's, it's a right. work in progress. And the youngest said to me, mom, hey, I use this thing that you taught me years ago because I wanted to go talk to the guy. She wanted to go ask him for his picture or something. And she used star breathing to calm herself down because to her, this was like some big celebrity, like I would have freaked out over some actor or something, but to her, it was a big deal. And so she used star breathing, which really surprised me. So I just wonder in your time of doing this, have you ever had a situation like that where you've taught a kid something and they've turned it into a lifelong skill that they draw on? Yes. 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 It, it's happened um, many times, especially with, um, I, I would say, and it depends on the situation and it could be any of the competencies to being able to, I mean, definitely self-management comes to mind right away because we're always, many, uh, many of the kids don't know how to regulate certain things or, you know, um, in this world of technology and everything, they, it's even like the relationship skills how to talk to one another, even when they're in the lunchroom and things like that, because everything is very on demand and it's not like, okay, I'm going to first say something, listen to what you have to say and then respond back. It's like, you know, um, really just, I I see so many of the things, you know, uh, coming out, but just definitely self-management and social awareness are probably, um, and relationship skills are probably the three biggest ones that I, that I see on a daily basis. So for sure. I think that's fun as you do this work to notice the things that have sticking power along the way. I'd love to, as, as you know, you progress and your book gets out to the world. I'd love to hear if any stories like that come up because there was an interview I did with Dr. John Rady, the author of the book spark, who showed the importance of exercise with academics. And he said that the skills that they taught these kids in high school, they started using in university to calm themselves down before tests. And so they started to see how these skills were lifelong. And that's really what, what I'd love to see with this, that the skills we're teaching these kids in middle school and elementary that they become lifelong skills into the workplace. Do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. And being able to pay it forward. I think that is probably the biggest testament and the thing that I could ever want for any of any of the kids that I have the honor of, you know, uh, serving and everything is having seeing them pay it forward to somebody else, seeing a fifth grader helping a first grader to self regulate and say, hey, Um, and, and even being able to say that vulnerability. That's one thing that we're always trying to teach them. It's okay to be vulnerable. And I I tell our teachers and stuff, if we don't show them that we're vulnerable, how are they ever going to feel comfortable to show that they are? Mm-hmm. It's like the, being in this world of perfection, they're, they're, it doesn't exist. That right. perfection, you know, and it's just trying to break that mindset of it. And um, and that's why, you know, just trying to teach, teach that growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. But I, I, I definitely see that and I try to make sure that they kind of highlight on that because we do it so much in academics mm-hmm. when they're teaching them a new skill or strategy, they're relearning it again. But we have to realize that they're also relearning those social emotional learning uh, needs as well. Every time they're teaching someone else about it, even if it's to their parents, 
Right. You know, and they see them getting upset over something at home and say, okay, why don't we take, take a moment and take a couple deep breaths or whatever and calm down so we can, you know, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And and that's kind of funny when you start teaching your kids stuff and then they start teaching it back to you when you're right. going off yeah. track. That's the, that's a fun part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I liked the compass check. So there was a, a part in the book, page 12, where you say you're the captain of your own ship and never let society determine the direction of your moral compass. I think you actually read this quote out in the beginning. Um, and I think of this for leaders who have to forge their own way, often going where no one's gone before them. And on some of my past episodes, we talked about the former CEO of PepsiCo. She was given a lower wage because she was a woman and she didn't think of asking for more since it was a good wage. So, you know, she knew she was being limited. But, um, you know, she didn't push forward because she didn't. I don't know why I would have to ask her what what was it that she didn't move forward with it. But how can we use this compass check to be responsible for ourselves and the direction we're going as we're moving towards our goals to make sure that we're on track and not falling backwards in any way? Okay. well, I um, I think because we're at the helm of our own lives. We're the ones that are steering our own ship. Um, we choose to take on the stormy seas um, and uh, or we can let them take over us. It's really our it's our choice. It's our decision. Um, there's always going to be the naysayers. There's always going to um, I often tell uh, my students that the only person we can control is ourselves. Um, we need to stay in our lane much as like a car does, because I try to give them that analogy. I said, if if cars didn't have lanes and everything, what would happen? And they're like, well, well, they're like, well, Mr. Wolf, they go ahead and crash. I said, exactly. But I said, if we're staying in our lane, we're controlling ourselves. We can't control the other cars that are there. So I try to give them that analogy. And I even have them before I even get ready to talk with them about something or process something with them. They'll say, I know what you're going to say. Did I stay in my lane or not? And they'll either say, yes, I did. No, I didn't. But um, really, that responsibility is, is, is ours and ours alone to become who we want to be in this life. Um, it's no one else. That direction or path is the one we choose. And it doesn't mean are we always going to make the right choice? No. But that's what we always have the option to change course. We can never go back. We can only go forward. But again, we, we just have to, in, in a way to kind of, with the boat analogy, adjust our own sails to be able to, in that moment. Got it. Got it. I like that. So if I move towards your self-assessment, I, I liked how you put the self-assessment in there because anytime that you're working with this stuff, you want to see where are you before you do this work and where are you after? So I, I really <laughs> like that you put that in there. And I actually did the self-assessment and okay. I I took it through the book and uh, it was interesting because while all of the competencies are a work in in progress, which they should be, I'm not going to say I've arrived at everything. I've reached my destination or I shouldn't be doing this work, but um, there was one that's that I scored high and that was with self-awareness. And I think it's through the podcast, through doing this podcast, I'm becoming more and more aware of who I am 
And, and that was, that was very apparent. So I scored the highest on that. And then there was only one area that I checked that, uh, that I, I looked at your answer and you also checked it. That they might've been heading towards the right path. Yeah, um, that it definitely headed towards the right path. So, and it right. was, it was with regards to helping others learn these skills. And, and I think through the work you've done, it's been very clear. It's all focused on helping others. And that's what I've been focused on the past three years with this podcast. So I definitely gave myself a higher score there. But can you go through your self-assessment tool, what you see others learning about themselves and you know what you learned from it and maybe how we could use this to show growth over time? I'd love to take this again and see what areas improve. Well, I'll go ahead. Yeah. So first ask about what I learned about with, with myself and everything. And I took it uh, like in December of uh, 2021. Um, so, um, and just like everyone else, we're a work in progress. And that's the first thing, you know, this is not, again, there's nothing with perfection or whatever. This is just, this is like growth over time. And again, that's a, it all goes back to that title of becoming the change. We're becoming that, that, that doesn't mean we're there yet. Um, so like the, the, you know, definitely, um, for, for me, um, at this point in time, um, uh, you know, I noticed that I, uh, struggled, I was at a crossroads with self-management and responsible decision-making and just in some of the different areas. And again, when I was looking at the, it wasn't just what was happening at work. It was home, you know, it, I tried to make sure to encompass it all. Because I, you know, if you break it down, and you can always do it just for work or just for home or whatever, and I'm sure you'd probably see a split in some of those things. But I just, for this, for the purpose of myself, I went ahead and just took a look at, and then I'd really just tried to look at, well, why did I choose those kind of things? What were some examples that kind of, when I was reflecting on it, and would there have been things I would have done differently, decisions I would have made better or whatever? Yes. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So in regards to it, now, if I take this a few months from now, um, a year from now, 10 years from now, these things, I think, depending, and again, it depends on the work that I do behind it. If I do nothing and I keep, you know, an even keel on everything, I'm probably not going to get any results. But if I'm really saying, wow, I need to really um, boost things up in a certain area and I focus on certain skills and strategies from the book, from just doing my own research or whatever, then I hope to see growth in those areas. But then I also have to keep in mind, I might be growing in some areas, but then I could be decreasing in others. Where I am now, I could be um, at a different spot 10 years from now. It depends on what I'm doing 10 years from now. All those kinds of things. And that that's, for, for me, is the, um, the beauty behind the assessment is it's always, it's something that's always going to be fluid. You're always going to be it's like a roller coaster. You're going to have ups and downs and you're going to have different points, but this will kind of keep you on track. It'll kind of keep you focused. Now to help um, others and things of what they can learn about it um, is if they're in college, if they're married, starting a family, empty nesters, retired, whatever it could be, whatever point that they're in life, it's going to look different for them. It's going to look different for their spouse or, you know, um, another family member. Um, and, and it's just, it's going to change over time as experiences. You know, if you're, if you're newlyweds and then you start having kids and things like that, the answers that you choose then are going to be 
or the way what you chose is going to be completely different because you've had different experiences. And, and, and that's why the tool can never really truly get old because you're not really getting old. You're just constantly changing along with it. Um, and it is that growth over time. And, and, and that's whatever stage you are in life. So it, it's all it's all encompassing. I couldn't help but notice the parts of the assessment where um, someone would be choosing that they're stuck and they're at a crossroads because there's been many times, especially in this office where I've been there, you know, stuck, like I didn't get the grant money and I'm like, what am I going to do now? And, you know, totally at a crossroads with what direction I'm going to go in and not knowing where to begin and not having like just standing there going, I'm stuck. Now what? How do you help someone move past I'm stuck? Um, Do they have to go find someone to get help? Or what would you say to someone stuck? Well, I think the first thing for them to realize it's okay not to know and it's okay to be stuck. For someone to say they've never been stuck at any point in their life, you know, I think they might be telling a little bit of a fib, you know, because there's always going to be a certain struggle where we're not sure what to do or who to turn to. And it, and again, uh, just like I mentioned earlier, this is where you show your vulnerability, you know, um, and uh, so they can seek guide guidance from talking to others that may be stronger in those areas or just from those that they observe that that may be strong in responsible decision making. Because I would think like I'll give an educator's example, like as a new administrator, just really getting my feet wet and trying to make those important decisions and stuff. I may be very unsure, but then I can go ahead and lean on leadership of my veteran principal or whatever else to be able, okay, here's the scenario. I'm not sure what direction and that's the thing. If it's that this is where you have to show that it's okay not to know. That's how you learn, and that's how you grow. And maybe there's resources. Maybe there's different books you can go ahead and read, or uh, again, podcasts. Anything that's going to be gear you towards those improving areas. Again, but it's all going to be taking those, taking it all in stride, and being able to whether it's even journaling on this. I could see in the different areas you breaking down if. Uh, self-awareness is where you're lack you, you may be struggling in or lacking in you might if that's your focus taking each of those questions and making it a part of your journal or whatever what did I do today to be able to maybe improve in that area and again it's growth over time it's not something that's there's no magic uh, button or anything or magic you know pill that's going to go ahead and all of a sudden make it happen it's going to be um I have a saying for um, the, the, the kids and everything. Um, if it's to be, it's up to me. I tell them anything they want in life, they've got to go out and get it. No one's going to go ahead and give you uh, and put it all out on silver platter and just say, here you go. Here's here's all your hopes and dreams. Right. It's not going to happen that way. You got to go ahead and get it. And that's what I would go ahead and tell them. But just I, I think they just got to make sure that to, to be that guide on the side and just know that there's going to be people to support them because they're they're, they're out there. The whole time I was reading the book, I was just picturing myself standing with a compass in the middle of a forest going, where am I going? And then looking at the map that you created with the compass and just go, okay, I'm going to learn this first and then I'm going to go here. So just to give direction. Absolutely. Yep. And it's, yeah, just like I said, it's it's just letting your compass be your guide. That's because it'll get you through it. It will. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's really powerful when you think about it, because 
the whole moral compass thing, do we all have our own moral compass within ourselves? Sometimes we might, or sometimes we, when we get off track or lost, we don't know. So it's nice to have something to look at. Right. Absolutely. Yep. To be that visual, mm-hmm. that beacon of hope, I guess, is the best way for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. So in chapter two, um, we're going on to now regulating yourself through self-management. You've got a compass check about our true superpower. And I love thinking of that we all have superpowers. I heard Jay Shetty. He's a podcaster. He was talking yes, about love, Yeah, he's great. I, I like how you put the quote in the chapter from Dale Carnegie about our true superpower, where you say everyone in the world is seeking happiness and there's one sure way to find it. That's by controlling our thoughts. Happiness doesn't depend on outward conditions. It depends on inner conditions. And, you know, in a world where everything is pushing our buttons, like I get out of my office, I go down the road, I got to get gas, bam, buttons pushed. So, you know, what do we do to stay in control of our happiness when the outside world just seems to be spinning fast? I think the mastering of that superpower of happiness will always be a work in progress. Um, there'll be some days that we will be able to handle things um, than we will other days. It, it just depends. Um, there's a saying that we have in education that uh, when we intentionally plan something out, it leads to an intentional outcome. I think if we're intentionally planning the ways in which we control or want to stay in control of our happiness, like uh, having a daily gratitude journal, exercising, um, like what I try to do is writing five positive notes a day and leaving it for teachers or sending them an email, letting them know that they appreciate it, and not just teachers, custodial staff, uh, uh, food and nutrition, um, all, all means all, you know, um, we can stay ahead of those negative tendencies. Um, the situation, again, is always going to be the situation. Those outside factors, the gas prices and those things, it's going to be th- that way. But again, we can't control that. Um, that's why um, I'm a big fan of, I don't know if you've heard of like Stoicism mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan Holiday. Um, I've read all his books and love his podcast and everything. And, um, and about, you know, having that powerful mindset, we have to, you know, again, the outside world is going to try to sabotage whatever happiness we have. But at the same time, there's going to be parts of the world that also are going to enhance this happiness to find those joyful moments, to find those things. Cause there's so much negativity that's in the news and things like that, but there are those things out there. If we look hard enough that are to be able to celebrate, to celebrate life, to celebrate the joys. And we have to do that, not just for ourselves, but do it for our children. They're our future. They need to see there is good in the world, that there is that light. Um, We have a saying, uh, one of our themes this past year as a district is be the light. And that's what we try to be is be that, be the light for our kids, um, for our staff, Uh, be that, that beacon of hope. Well, that's helpful for sure. Moving into social awareness, you've got mm-hmm. a quote by Brian Tracy where successful people are always looking for opportunities to help others, which right. leads us right into what you were just saying. And it, there was actually a quote in your book about September 11th. So I kind of took myself back to where I was September 11th. I was new to the U.S., had just moved there. Everything had fallen through with the work I was to do. Everything was up in the air. 
I was actually cleaning houses and working at a local resort as a nanny to make okay. things work. And I remember standing in line in a grocery store when things were like completely spun out of control. You know, it was like trying to figure out how am I going to pay for eggs and cheese? What am I going to do? And, and I was inward focused. And I missed this huge opportunity to help someone. And it had stuck with me. I haven't forgot it. I'm always trying to think, well, looking outside of myself after this, but I wish I could go right. back. But there was this guy that was trying to buy diapers. And, you know, now that I've had kids, those diapers, you need them and they're so expensive. But yes. standing there, I had enough money to cover what I was looking for and what he needed, but I was too inward focused. So what have you noticed with social awareness and how can we be prepared for helping others at all times in this fast-paced world? Well, I, I think one of the things, and if, in, in my humble opinion, if I had to rank the, in the order of importance out of the five of what, as a society, we need to focus on the most, it is that social awareness piece. Um, and um, we may recognize what's happening, uh, but not enough's being done about it. Some may go ahead and shy away from it. Well, it doesn't concern me. It's not really... But, and, and, and you know, they try to live in their own bubble where it's safe, or at least that's where they think it's safe. But in reality, it could be impacting our friends, our family, coworkers, things that we don't even know about that are, that are so beneath the surface. It's kind of like that, um, that analogy with the iceberg effect. And you see the top part, but you don't see everything that's underneath it and all the things that they're going through. And that's what we do you know, as educators on a daily basis is there are so much, so many layers underneath of what our kids are going through that we don't even know, you know, you know, they, they don't have food for the weekend. Like we have a, what's called a pack-a-sack program. And every Friday they get some food for the weekend you know, in a bag of, and it's not a lot, it's, you know, it's donated and everything by, you know, the community and everything, which is great, but all these things and just, they might not have had a place to sleep the night before. They might be living in a hotel or out of their car, but yes, they're not prepared for school, but at least they're there. And it's just being aware of those things, you know, recognizing that we all have the ability to be problem solvers, to be able to um, help them, you know, all eyes are watching. What, how we're going to react, whether it's being able to volunteer in the soup kitchen or, or being able to just, just as simple as opening a door for somebody or just an act of kindness, anything that is having them pay, paying for the person in front of you, you're going through the drive through and you just say, I'll, I'll cover the person in the back. And sometimes you see that around the holidays, but it shouldn't just be a holiday thing. It should be all, you know, all the time when it can happen, those random moments, those random acts of, it's that those random acts of kindness, um, that's going to really drive our, you know, um, the, the social awareness piece and really kind of put us, I think, back on the map because we all have it within us. We just have to take the time. I look at it kind of like um, looking at it through the lens of others. Um, that's what I've always tried to do as an educator and as administrator, never because I was a teacher before an administrator and I made a promise to myself never to forget what it's like in the classroom. Because I feel that sometimes that that happens. You get caught in a pattern and you forget. And I I always tell my staff um, that I I want you to remind me if I forget what it's like to be in your shoes because things are always changing. And before I just recently left my one school as I was needed at another school 
for my SEL background and things like that. And I've been there for like six years. So it was, it, it just happened last month. So it's, it's still all very fresh and new. And I believe everything happens for a reason. But one of the things that one of my teachers gave me was a magnifying glass. And they said, Dan, I'm giving this to you because you never forgot what it was like to look at it through our perspective. Huh. And so I have that hanging on my bulletin board in my new office now as a daily reminder to look at it, look at things. And that to me is so, social awareness right there, all in one. Never forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So moving into chapter four, enhancing your relationship skills. This is key here. You quote that no one's perfect. When you stop expecting people to be perfect, you can like them for who they are. And this reminded me of my last interview that I did with Dr. Marie Gervais. And she Mm -hmm. talked about the spirit of work where we look at each person's spirit and that's for fuller expression and expansion. And you don't see people's imperfections when you're looking at spirit and soul. So how have you used this idea to enhance your relationships and look at everyone and see the good in them? Well, uh, so to me with relationships, it's not only what, what we have with others, it's also the one we have with ourselves as well as a part of that. So it's just like, you know, what they always say, if you can't love yourself, how can you love others? And it's just really being able, I, I just think that that's the, truly the moral fibers that make us us, is how we treat others, how we want to be treated, uh, those kinds of things. Um, um, I've never expected anyone but myself to be perfect. Um, and I learned a long time that that was just never, a long time ago, that that wasn't going to happen. Um, that practice does not make perfect, it makes improvement. And just knowing that lifts a big weight off of my shoulder and I try to make sure to do it for, for everything. Cause we, as educators, we're perfectionists, you know, because that's what we think. But again, that's what we think, but that's not what the children need. They need to see when we fall, they need to see that we dust ourselves back up, that we, you know, uh, you know uh, dust ourselves um, off and everything and get ourselves back up. Um, it's just being every, I believe every person has great potential within them. Um, and I try to instill that within the students I serve, no matter what the hardships they're encountering, no matter, they can always overcome things. There's always going to be different tragic events that happen in their lives, just like what happened with me, you know, growing up and everything. And though other people have lost, every experience is going to be different. I'll never tell a student that's lost somebody. I know what you're going through because I don't know the relationships different. The feelings I might have felt could be similar, but I could say I have had loss, but I can't understand exactly what you're going through. But I'm here to listen. I'm here to having having that person in their corner. That could be all the difference that they need to be able to turn their day around, to know that they matter. Um it's just being able to flip this, this, this script. We talk about expectations and um, for our kids and things like that. So it's, it, to me, it looks like that expectations are kind of dictated. This is what needs to be done, this, this, and this. But what if we change them to commitments? What is it that we're committing to? That's then a joint bond between the teacher, the classroom, the environment, the classroom family itself, the school. All those kinds of things. One of the mottos we also have um, within our school is um, I tell them it's my job to keep you safe and it's your job to help keep it safe. Again, it's that partnership. 
I can only do so much. You've got to meet me halfway. What, what, what can we do to make that happen? Um, because when, when you look at things like that, it's a win-win because everybody, the relationship should never be one-sided. It should be equal, equal across the board, being there for one another and modeling that because it's what relationships are going to, what's going to get us through those tough times. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Moving into chapter five, responsible decision-making, you quote Gary Vaynerchuk, who says your legacy is being written by yourself, make the right decisions. And I just love Gary V. And I like this quote because we all have an incredible opportunity to leave an important legacy in our lifetime. And you're working so hard in your lifetime with all this work for SEL. And you do dive deep. We've, this is the fifth competency here. And you've given us a lot to think about already. What advice would you have here about being mindful of our decisions today so we can strengthen the legacy we're working on for our lifetime? Well, I would say probably um, make sure to lean on, you know, uh, the areas specifically with like self and social awareness. Uh, We have to realize and understand how we fit into this puzzle we call life. Um, We uh, need to be aware of that our decisions not only affect us, uh, affect us, but also can impact others, um, either positively or negatively. And that's where we have to look at it through those lenses to see how it's going to affect and things and and sometimes and again being real with what the decision was you know the why behind your decision it may not everybody might agree with it but if they understand the thinking that goes behind it and sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one to kind of quote spock uh from star trek uh, days and things like that uh, th- those are just those things to kind of look at uh, one of the things that i pride myself in doing as an administrator is like i said looking at things through the perspective um, and when I had uh, left, you know, like I said, my previous school had the magnifying glass um, example within there. Um, this doesn't go without saying that all your decisions aren't going to be right. You're going to make bad decisions, but that's where you have to, as a leader, as a person, own up to them. And if you messed up, you just say, I messed up. I, I own it. Um, you can't shy away from it. You get people will respect you that much more for being real and authentic. And that's one thing for for me. I try to pride myself in is what you see is what you get. I, I do. I you know I I try to be authentic um, because um, one of the things one of the quotes I have in my office is from Maya Angelou. And as you can probably see from this podcast and our conversation, I'm a big fan of quotes. But I have the one where she says. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And that's what um, one of the things when I left my uh, school, I just recently left. Um, they were doing a breakfast for me, you know, as yeah, like a, a goodbye, good, good wow. luck and everything. It was very nice. I know I wasn't going to be able to say too much there because I would have lost it emotionally. Just, wow. you know, just because all the emotions. So I sent them an email that morning. I said, this is what I would say to you, but I'm going to put it in an email. And that's the quote I put in there. Because if I left that impact on them and made them feel that they matter, that they're worth it no matter what, I don't care. I don't care about test scores, things like that. If you made that environment better for that child, that's all that matters. And the kids in your class, that's all that I could ever ask for. 
And, um, and that's just, and to me, the hope would be then that they could pay it forward to others. That's, that's really what that, that, and again, that would be their choice is to pay it forward. And I hope that that's what they would do. Well, to sum this all up, if we were to look at your compass, I'm going to guess that you would say, let's start with self-awareness and go from there. But you tell me, how, how would you sum this all up for everyone listening, um, what we should take away from your moral compass? So again, uh, visually, uh, that self-awareness is that centerpiece that um, definitely connects to all the other four. Uh, for self-management, for social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. Um, each of them, and that's why the compass is there, it's all, it's all interconnected. And though you may have strong areas in some, and some might be weaker, it's, 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 a, it's a package deal. You're, no, no one is without all five. They may feel like it at times, that they can't make a decision or whatever. But when you really think about it, even if you just made a decision of what you were going to wear for the day, you did make a decision. Yes, it wasn't, it didn't set the world on fire or anything, just, but it still was, you know, a step in the right direction. It's, it, it's just something that's going to be that, that guide on the side that's always going to be with you. It's always been within you. It, this is just more or less, um, hopefully with this book and the message behind it, it will bring everything into fruition and just know um, that it exists in all of us. Oh, Dan, I want to thank you so much for sharing your new book with us. I absolutely love, obviously, this whole compass analogy. And I know this is going to help others navigate through these five SEL competencies. For people who want to get your book, uh, you said it's coming out Memorial Day weekend. Is that? It, it's yeah. They. Um, um, I just had talked with my uh, publisher and everything, and it should be uh, coming out right around Memorial Day weekend, maybe before then. Um, it'll be on different things such as Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, uh, def, uh, available within there. Um, and again, I just want to give a, a big thank you to Road to Awesome, who's the publisher and everything, because this is also um, uh, perseverance and everything. I wrote this during the pandemic and I, I had over 40 rejections. Um, thanks, but no thanks. You don't have much of a following, you know, you know, because I mean, I, I, I don't, when I say I'm just an educator, that's, that, that's not what I mean, but I mean, in the eyes of, society that's how they kind of look at it but i wasn't going to give up i just said if it can help one person that's all that matters and i will forever be grateful to road to awesome to uh taking a chance on me um in, in regards to it um but uh but yeah but uh, um yeah go ahead i'm sorry on that no because uh, i just released an episode from che and pav who have quite a following and they label themselves as just teachers, Te teachers, teaching teachers. And yeah. I kept saying, well, you're not just teachers to me. And they explained it. They said, yes, we are. We're middle school teachers. We are just teachers. And I got it. So it doesn't really matter the following that you have. It's your message. But I want to thank you so much. Um, any final thoughts uh, as we close out here? Well, again, I, I appreciate this opportunity. And there was just one one or two other highlights I just wanted to just share with everyone too. So one of the things too, with the becoming the change on the, the cover of the book is the image of a butterfly. And we 
also with the premise of that to go along with the compass and everything else is the metamorphosis of the butterfly. And um, that's really what the SEL skills are within that is we are becoming that change. We are evolving as human beings. And one of the things that I have within the book too is, and those that remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books that might've read them in the 70s, 80s and 90s, I know I did. Um, I have that at the end of each chapter because as you find out and you read a certain chapter, you'll have a decision to make at the end of each chapter, whether you want to choose a different pathway and you can choose any direction you wanna go in um, because this is your journey. This is your life, this is for you. So if you want to go to a, a, a section that is a strength of yours or go to a section you want to work on or you want to reread the section you just finished reading, that's, the whole choice is up to you um, because, like I said, it's your life. But, but thank you so much, and I, pre I appreciate this time and this opportunity. Thank you, Dan. I'm excited for when this book comes out. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.